All right. And today, and today, tomorrow is tomorrow is Tishba Av. Today is uh, August 9th, two thousand eight. We're doing lesson one, and it's not what you think; it's what you do. Let's open in prayer. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for uh, the opportunity that we have for repentance. Father, we thank you that you are a God who hears our prayers; that you uh, graciously accept our repentance, and Father, that you are a good and gracious God and that you forgive and that you pardon our iniquity. Lord, as we approach this uh, last day of the three weeks, we ask that you might uh, bless us in our mourning as we prophetically speak of the day when you will uh, turn our mourning into gladness and when you will uh, bring joy to the fast of the fourth and the fifth month. We thank you for that. Lord, we ask that you open our eyes as we study your word and Father, that we might uh, have an understanding of how we might come to uh, have a renewed fear of you. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Blessed is he, our God, who created us for his glory, separated us from those who stray, gave us the Torah of truth, and implanted eternal life within us. May he open our heart through his Torah, imbue our heart with love and awe of him, that's Yahweh, that we may do his will and serve him wholeheartedly, so that we do not struggle in vain, nor produce for futility. Amen. That's from, uh, that's from the uh, Shabbat prayers uh, in Mincha. Um, uh, I'm going to try and find, I may not be successful, but I'll try to find something from the Siddur each week that deals with one of the words, uh, the word that we're doing in, in our lesson. And this has uh, awe, the word awe here is, is, uh, comes from the root yare. Um, the interesting part about it, of course, is we view in our heart love and awe of him that we may do his will. The connection between fear as an emotion, as we see as an emotion, and as a motivator, as opposed to fear as a, as a verb, is what we're looking at this week. Um, praise Hashem. Blessed is the man who fears, and that is the word Yahweh, the Lord, who, who delights greatly in his commandments. If you're not aware of this, uh, then you will become aware, I hope, over time, that uh, that. That Hebrew structure, specifically poetry, is usually done in what's called a chiastic style or parallelism, as it's called Hebrew parallelism. You can see it all the way out, all the way through Scripture. It's especially present in the uh, um, in the prophets. It's also very present in apostolic scriptures. In fact, some of the works that uh, that Luke writes, uh, interestingly enough, because people think he's a Gentile, uh, contain a lot of chiastic uh, or parallelism. Here we see parallelism, fear and delights greatly in his commandments. Uh, that's, those are, uh, in Western thought, we always think in contrast. There's one or the other. If, or, if this, then, if not this, then this. It's or. It's always or. This or that. Right? We say it. We use it all the time. We contrast. To understand the nature of something, we bring up with contrast. Yin and yang. Right? Uh, Hebrew, it's the opposite. And in fact, the opposite. Ooh, it's in fact in Hebrew, it's the parallelism. In other words, to understand something, you say it's like this. It's like a parable, right? Did not Yeshua speak that way? It's like this, or it, it's likened unto this. So, in the use of parable, parallel parables, you see that parallelism that's being used to understand the nature of something. It's oftentimes done in parallel. So here we see the parallel, the chiastic nature of fear and delights greatly in his commandments. Continuing, his descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. 
Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. This is the man, or the woman, who fears the Lord. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteousness. And righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid. Yahweh. So the man who fears the Lord will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established, and he will not be afraid. That's from Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8a. Last week we looked at this uh, idea of... Uh, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 120? Is it Psalm 112? 112, I'm sorry. 112, 1 through 8a. Uh, last week we looked at Hebrew, uh, Hebrew versus Greek thinking, or Hebraic versus Western thinking, and uh, the idea that actions... That really, that it's not based on what you say or or what you think or a creed, but actually our faith is established and verified by what we do. Right? Uh, faith without works is dead, is what James said. Um, it's it's that's more than a difficult saying. It's actually the it's the it's the basis of what we believe. Um, and Paul would have agreed with it completely. Luther would not, but Paul would. Um, faith without works is dead. It is about action. And in fact, we in, in English and in Hebrew and Western thinking, what are we constantly trying to do? We take, we take verbs and turn them into gerunds so they sound more like nouns. You know, We try and make everything a noun. We do. Everything in Western thought, because we think nouns, our language encapsulates thought, thinking, concepts better in nouns than action. Uh, unfortunately, the Bible does not do that. So a lot of times when you're reading in, in an English Bible, sometimes you're reading nouns, and they actually are verbs. And it's very, very difficult sometimes to follow the line of thought when it's not actually being conveyed in the correct, in the correct way. Uh, uh, not off the top of my head. <laughs> but in the, same way, in the same way that oftentimes in English Bibles, especially in the apostolic scriptures, certain tenses of verbs are changed to make them past tense when they're in fact present tense. Most notably Hebrews. The book of Hebrews is just, it's, it's, it's awful the way translators have turned all of the present tense verbs, present tense means ongoing, current, into past tense to make it sound like something's done away with. But that's another, that's another topic. Uh, we all, uh, I don't know that there is one. I mean, uh, uh, those of you who have a complete Jewish Bible, that's a great, it's not a translation, but it's a great Bible. It is a very good Bible. Uh, Dr. Stern did a great job in trying to smooth out some of those difficulties. Unfortunately, it's not a translation. It's more of a paraphrase at times. So. Um, uh, the Tanakh portion of it is actually a translation, uh, pretty close to a translation, somewhat dynamic. It's a JPS. If you have a, if you know, have an old old JPS Bible, an old Jewish Bible, mm-hmm. uh, the Jewish Publication Society, that's the that's the Tanakh portion of the complete Jewish Bible. Um, this week we're looking at fear. Remember, it's a verb. It's something we do. Go to First First Peter chapter one verse thirteen. First Peter one. 13. While you're turning, you can see on the board up here I've written Yare, uh, Yod, Aresh, and a, and a uh, Aleph. In the top there, that is the Assyrian or the block script. Underneath that is uh, a variation. That's the earliest variation of the Proto-Hebraic or the Phoenician alphabet. And uh, what that is is pictographs. Uh, and then, of course, I have the transliteration uh, Y-A-R-E at the bottom there. 
First Peter chapter 1, verse 13 through 17. My Bible has a heading above it. It says, Living before God our Father. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest, your hope being fully upon the grace that is, that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Yeshua Messiah. As obedient children, not conforming yourself to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Do you see all the verbs in here? Because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call and if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, like silver or gold, from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Messiah, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. How far am I reading? Through verse 17. Excuse me. We got through there. This is the this is a great this is a great definition of fear right here. Uh, we we see here that uh, um, that we're supposed to conduct. And if you were to call on God, verse seventeen, on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourself throughout the time of your stay here in fear. We had this idea that He is the judge. There is a eye that sees. And a judge who records every deed in a book. And we will have to give an account. There's an eye that sees all. There is a hand that records everything. Each one will have to give an account for what was done while you were here. And that's what he's saying here. Peter says it as well. Each one will have to give an account. Uh, here's, here's what we see in this passage. And this is, this is Hebraic thinking. Excuse me, I have to use the word thinking because it's not just thinking, is it? It's action. But this is the way you start. It starts in your mind. Be sober. Gird up the loins of your mind. Prepare your mind for action. When you gird it up your loins, that's exactly what you're doing, right? You're getting ready to run. Is there a reason why everybody's over there and I'm up here? <laughs> it's like these are like disease seats here. <laughs> uh, no, you're girding up your loins. You're getting ready to run, right? You need to get all the stuff that's, you know, all of your robes or whatever else, you know, tied up so that it doesn't trip you up. So you're preparing your minds for action. Be sober. Be calm and circumspect. You're thinking about what's going on around you. This is all the beginning, right? Hope. You anticipate. You anticipate that God will be gracious to you. Do we have a hope that he'd be gracious to us? Hope, by the way, doesn't mean maybe he will, maybe he won't. I hope he does. That's the way we use the word. That's not what the word means. The word hope means you're sure of it. You're sure, absolutely sure, you're confident that it will happen. But as obedient children. You know, these pictures are just really kind of amazing because we kind of like fluff all this over. Uh, do, you know, do, do obedient children receive, receive benefit from being obedient? Yeah, I mean, as parents, you know it right away. Yeah, <laughs> It's the obedient children you want to do all the stuff for. Not that you don't love all your children, but the obedient child, they're the ones that make it easy for you, aren't they? Here's the interesting thing. Be holy because he's holy. This is a quote from Leviticus 11. It's also in Leviticus 19. Throughout the book of Leviticus, it says, Be holy, for I am holy. And in the apostolic scriptures, it's repeated as well. And here, this is one of the places it's repeated. What does it mean to be holy? Set apart, sanctified. What may have you thought that it was before? Before you knew that. Sinless. You be holy, so don't sin. That's not what it's saying. 
surely sin does not set you apart. <laughs> surely sin, in fact, separates us from God. So if you're in sin, you are definitely not holy. So there is a correlation, but it's not the same thing as be holy doesn't mean don't sin. It means something different. It means something that you can actually do uh, as opposed to not do. Not sin, right? Something you can do. How can I, how can I separate myself to God? How can I be holy? Remember, there's no, there's no to be words in Hebrew, so it's how can, I, can, how can I do holy? Give me some ideas of doing holy. Keeping the commandments. What are some commandments that, that you could keep that would... Shabbat. Shabbat is a separation, right? Separated from the six days of work and the one day. That's, in fact, we call it separation, right? Separation. Havdalah, at the end of Shabbat, Havdalah is the separation between the seventh day and the first day. Separation. So that's, that's in fact, Exodus 31 says, you'll be separate. I'll make you holy in this. What's something else that you can do Bless holy? Bless your enemies. You do holy. That's right. Why? Because it sets you apart. You're different. You're like someone else. Who is that someone else that we want to be like? That's what he says. Be holy for I am holy. God's holy. And when you, when you study the tabernacle, and those of you who study the tabernacle, you know there's ever-increasing levels of holiness. You spend some time in the Torah and you study the tabernacle, you know that the least holy place is outside the camp, right? You don't want to be put outside the camp. That's where the lepers and, right? That's where, the, that's where all those who were not holy were, right? The ashes. Where did you want to be? As close in as you could be. You can't get all the way in, but you could get close. And through a Levy, you could get really close, and through the high priest, you could get all the way in. Right? Technically, you were all the way in on Yom Kippur because the high priest was in there. So all these levels of increasing holiness are were things and stages that you had to go through. Well, you know, here's here's uh, uh, a lot of things in understanding our understanding of holiness need to come back to that. How can I be holy? How can I be holy? What conduct can I do that will that will do holiness. So, be holy. Conduct yourselves in fear. Conduct yourselves in fear. Do things that reflect fear. Are you afraid? Everybody that's ever afraid, raise your hand. Okay, I would have to keep my hand up all the time because I'm always afraid. In fact, as a little boy, um, my grandmother said, he's such a fearful child something I constantly struggle with I, am, I, I admit and it, to me it's a sin because, uh, because, I, because I fear sinfully because I am not trusting God so how can I take that bad thing and reflect it and point it in the right way fear of God fear of God this, uh, this um, pictograph here well first of all the letters they're pretty obvious a yo, the yad an arm a hand uh, we can see that in, in even Modern Hebrew. It's, it's a hand, the first letter there. Uh, a resh is uh, a rosh, a head. So that's, per, that's, that's fairly obvious. Uh, an aleph is a little bit more difficult. But the pictographs, you can see it a little bit closer. It looks like an arm with a hand on it that, there. The uh, resh looks like a man standing with his head. Right? And uh, the aleph actually looks like an ox head. The aleph, the ox is the strongest animal on the farm. Right, so the strong the Aleph is actually a representation of, for the Almighty. He's the Al- the Almighty, 
it could be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, the the resh, the resh, the rosh, the head, the man, is a proud man. And in fact, it's an interesting thing. There's all sorts of fun stuff in Hebrew, but um, right here at the top of the resh, if you bring that over, what does it become? It becomes a dollar. And in fact, um, in fact, that little that little thing that hangs over there, uh, the dollar, it says uh, um, there, there's a there's a play on there's a play on words, play on letters in in the in the Talmud that discusses this difference between the resh and the dollar. The resh is, is proud and uplifted. The Dalit is, in fact, humble in a way, a door. Dalit is a door. Um, and the, uh, the Yod, the hand, is, always, is almost always represented as the hand of God. So in that pictograph, you can see the hand of God upon the head of a man brings him under the Almighty. So we see this idea of Yare, this pictograph, actually expressing what we see in Scripture. Go ahead. You can't see the bottom three letters. I'm sorry. Uh, that's okay. You wouldn't be able to understand them anyway because I can't draw them very good. <laughs> I can't get them up higher. Sorry. I will. I will. Thank you. Uh, so we have uh, anyway. This 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 pictograph shows God's closed hand upon the head of man, bringing him under His authority. Go to Genesis chapter three, verse nine. I'm missing this one now. Can you ourselves in here? Conduct is is a verb. Do in fear. Live your life in fear of God. That's right. It's it's not a cowering fear. However, it's the same word, and that's what we're going to go to. Awesome. That's right. Awe is a good word. I I understand that, and I think that one of the biggest problems with this word fear in the English is that people recoil at the idea that you should fear God and in fact have come up with all explanations of something that isn't fear of God and one of them is a uh, honor him um, respect him all of those things that are used are an attempt to diminish and to negate the word being used which is fear it's the same word when it says that you would fear death or fear the arrow that flies by night. He says, don't fear the arrow that flies by night. But we're told to fear him. He uses the negative emotion and then he, ex- then he asks us to fear him. What is it to fear him? And that's what we're talking about. But, you know, he doesn't try and couch it in nice, neat and, you know, grace-filled words. I mean, a son who fears his father, if he's ever been a, or a daughter, um, parents can it, it's not a fear it's just a fear of respect when, 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 your, what, when yeah. your dad tells you don't you dare do this or you're going to be in big trouble that fear is a very legitimate fear as a child it's actually a fear a physical fear for me it was yeah. right? but then as an adult it was a fear of disappointment that's good that's good but it's interesting that one of the first baseline emotions that human beings have is fear. So it's interesting that that is the beginning of wisdom, as we're told. And that's why we're studying this word. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3, verse 9. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9 says, Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? 
So he heard. So he said, "I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid, because I was naked and I hid myself." And he said, "Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat?" This is the first mention of any of the of the comes from the root word fear. This is the first mention for fear. I was afraid. What was he afraid of? Who was he afraid of? The Almighty, who is to be feared, isn't he? So why was he afraid? That's right. It's exactly right. He sinned against God. I did what you told me not to do. So I was afraid when I heard your voice. That's right. Very good. So is fear sin? Because if this first mention of it, there was no sin before then that he had in fear. Well, actually, he his sin, oh yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's, fear is not a sin. Actually, he should have feared God and obeyed him. <laughs> so this is the kind of fear that when people quote First John, it says there's no fear in love. This is the kind of fear that it's talking about. There's no fear of God's punishment. Because in a, Why? In the sense that, In the sense that if you are in the will of God, he's not going to punish you. And the problem with Adam was that he feared at the wrong time. If that's he right. feared beforehand, that's right. then he would have had no reason to fear now. Joshua just brings up a great point. In First John, there's no fear in love. Oh, see, perfect love casts out fear. So there's no fear. You don't need to fear God anymore because he loves you. God loved Adam. And he put him out of the garden. That's right. Absolutely. He put him out of the garden. Love acts and sometimes in ways that are hurtful <laughs> and are painful and it's the proof that he loves us. You can go to Proverbs where it says you uh, spoil your child. It's not spoil your child. You know, spare the rod. Some people say spoil your child. It's hate your child. That's right. So therefore, That's right. if you spare it, you're not loving your child. That's right. Love, love. We're going to see all these words played out as we move through them, but let's move on. It's the fear of consequences, this fear that we see here. Too bad he didn't fear God before. Go to Exodus chapter 1, verse 15. I was always taught that this word fear is a healthy respect. Um, And in fact, some Bibles actually try and do that, especially in the apostolic scriptures. They'll, in the New Testament, they'll write, they'll write respect. Where the real word is fear. As we're going to see, it's uh, phobos from, uh, from the Greek. Go to uh, Exodus chapter 1, verse 15. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was uh, Shifra, and the, other, and the name of the other was Puah. And he said, when, do you, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but save the lives of the male children, save, but save the male children alive. Uh, and actually what we see is this is, God's, <laughs> this is God's grace. They feared God and God's grace was he saved the generation. Uh, and it, it was a remarkable salvation. Deuteronomy chapter 10. On that, they lie to Pharaoh. So is it okay to lie? To save a life? Yeah. Absolutely. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. Now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? 
What does he require of you? Fear the Lord your God. To walk, again, parallelism. Fear the Lord your God. Walk in all his ways. And to love him. To serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Do you want to know what fear is? It is to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. It is to love him. It is to walk in his ways. Those are all parallels. That's what he's teaching us. Fear is all of those. How do you fear the Lord your God? You walk in his ways. You love him with all your... You serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And verse 13. And to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today, for your good... Do you love your children? Do you expect your children to obey you? Why? Because, because you love them and you know that the things that you've told them to do are actually to keep them alive. Look both ways before you cross the street. Do you ever expect your children to stop doing that? Oh, when you get older, it'll be okay. You don't have to do that anymore because then you'll understand the real purpose in this. No. You still want them to. When they're 80 years old and they're crossing the street and they have somebody help them, you want them to look both ways. Right? Nothing changed, did it? It still matters, doesn't it? That's right. Uh, so even though you know the concept, you know, when they're young, they don't know the concept. All I know is when I get to the edge of the street, I'm supposed to look both ways. I don't know why. Mom and Dad said so, and if I don't do it, they'll thank me. I believe it's thanking, by the way. So, nothing's changed. Yes, later on, you know the reason why, but you still look both ways. I think it's not related to the fear and love are in the same passage Fear and love, yes. Because in Western society, we tend to differentiate the two, right. so they were somehow opposed. We say that. People sit on the couch and they say, you know, I never really loved my parents. I was afraid of my father. You know, it's like, you know, we, we've gotten in our minds that this twisted idea that fear is only a negative. And it's not. It is a, it is the first positive. I was going to say, though, like children, naturally, if they have good parents, I think there is a tendency to be both. They love their parents. And they're also right. afraid of them. Uh, here the word keep, keep his commandments is shamar. We're going to actually look at that later as well in this, in this study. But we're going to go to Psalm chapter one, 112 again. Psalms 112. One. Those of you who've done my studies before know that it's sometimes difficult to find the right cross reference. That's okay, <laughs> Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be his house. His righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light. In the darkness he is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast. That word steadfast has the same root as faith, emunah. Steadfast. Trusting in the Lord, his heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Uh, what a what a great what a great picture here of fearing God and not fearing man. Fear of the Lord removes the fear of everything else. So, if you're a fearful person like me, what's the answer? Not stop being afraid. What's the answer? Fear the Lord. If you fear the Lord, you can find that you will not be afraid of anything else. You afraid of the dark? Fear the one who brings on the darkness by a word. 
Proverbs chapter 9. We've said it a couple times in here already. Proverbs 9, verse 10. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Remember Hebrew parallelism. Hebrew parallelism and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So fear of the Lord is parallel to the knowledge of the Holy One. Do you know Him? If you did, you would fear Him. People say, well, I know God. I have a relationship with Him. And then they do whatever they want. They don't know Him. Because if they know Him, they would be afraid of doing things that He has said don't do. We get this picture in Isaiah chapter 6 of the Holy One, high and uplifted. And Isaiah sees Him. And what is Isaiah, who is, by every count, a righteous man? I mean, you know, the most righteous of prophets outside of Moses. And what, is, what do we see in this picture of Isaiah? Isaiah says, I am completely in a condition, in a state, that cannot be in the presence of the Holy One. He says, I'm unclean. I can't be. I am undone. Woe is me. You know, you know, oy, I'm, you know I'm, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. This is, this is a mistake. I took a wrong turn. I should not be here. Because he is amazed at what he sees. Those of us who know him don't even yet know how afraid we should be. Because if we did, we'd live differently. We would. It doesn't matter how well you live, how obediently you live. If you really knew him, if you knew him more, you'd even live, you'd even live differently. The more that we know him, the more circumspect we become. That there's an eye that sees and a hand that records all of our deeds. And we will have to give an account. Go to... Uh, Ecclesiastes 12. Alright, quick. When's the book of Ecclesiastes read? Traditionally. Do you love the book of Ecclesiastes? <laughs> Colette. Colette's read during Sukkot. It's a joyful festival. It's the most joyful of all our festivals <laughs> that God has given us. And when are we reading? We're reading Ecclesiastes. Whoa, how depressing. <laughs> no, Ecclesiastes is not depressing because you've got to read all the way to the end. You've got to read the last page to get the point. Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse... Uh, where is it? Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13. Okay, the second to the last verse. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Wow. Twelve chapters and finally we're going to get to the point. Fear God. Keep His commandments. But this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. There is an eye that sees and a hand that records every deed and we will have to give an account. This is man's all to fear God. Parallelism again. Fear God and keep His commandments. Do you know what God's will is for you? To obey Him. I'm always troubled by people say, I'm praying about it, I'm trying to discover God's will. God has told you what His will is. And if you're unwilling to obey what He already told you, I can guarantee you He's not going to tell you whether you should take that job or not. He won't. If you know what He told you to do, and you refuse to do it, you are already outside His will. And you cannot get inside his will through prayer and fasting. 
unless you're willing to obey him. Obedience is the will of God. Fear him and, and obey him. That is your duty. That's all. If you will fear him and obey him, then you can rest assured that you are absolutely in his will. That you will never be shaken. Isn't that cool? What a cool guarantee. Wow, too bad it's too hard. So hard. <laughs> not too hard. It's so hard. It's not too hard. First John tells us, His commandments are not a burden, and they're not impossible. Uh, Psalm, Psalms 130, verse 1. It, is, uh, it does sound hard, because it's against what we want. We're just like Adam. We're just like Eve. You know what I found when I've been disobedient and the Lord's been patient and then he dropped the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. I found it the more I obey him, it seems like I'm giving up and losing, but I realize oh, yeah. the more I obey him, I'm actually happier I am. It is amazing, isn't it? You it's amazing. It is amazing. It goes exactly opposite of man's wisdom. Psalm 130, verse 1. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. Lord, hear my voice hear our voice let our, your ears be attentive to the voice of my supplications if you Lord should mark iniquities O Lord who could stand but there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared did you ever think of that your sin when you repent you have a renewed interest in the fear of the Lord Isaiah 1 18 Isaiah 1 18 Go to Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though I red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you are willing, verse 19, if you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Teshuvah. Yeah, Teshuvah, repentance. God loves repentance. In fact, he really, really loves repentance. I mean, it's like, a, it's like a powerful thing to him. When man repents, there are no depths that we can go to that he does not delight in our repentance. And his answer is, when you repent, your fear of me will be renewed. You will be back in my will, as it were. Excuse me while I paraphrase. Go to, uh, the, the Greek word is uh, phobel, fear. And it's the Greek translation of Yahweh. Uh, go to uh, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew may or may not have written in Hebrew. Regardless, we have, the, we have, his, rec we have his record recorded to us in Greek, which is a, which is a fine language like English. Uh, but Matthew did not speak Greek. That was not the language that he spoke. He may have spoken it, but it was not the language that he spoke in nor thought in. He thought, thought in Hebrew. So anytime he uses the word uh, phobos or phobeo or some variation of it. He's, of course, thinking Yare. Uh, Matthew chapter uh, 1, verse 18. Here's the definition of fearing God. Now the birth of Yeshua Messiah was as follows. After his, after his mother, uh, Miriam, was betrothed to uh, Yosef, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Yosef, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But, we, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of Hashem appeared to him in a dream, saying, Yosef, son of David, do not be afraid to take Miriam, your wife, for that which you, that 
which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Here's that word fear. This is the first usage in the apostolic scriptures if you take it from the front from Matthew on. So fear. He feared the Lord. And so what he says, there, excuse me, so he said, don't be afraid to take her as your wife. Don't be afraid to take her, take her as your wife. He needed reassurance that it was okay, that he could marry Miriam and it would not be, uh, it would not be profane. It wouldn't be immoral. Because if she, obviously if she had been immoral, then he would not, he would, should not marry her, right? So that's what he's saying. Go to Luke chapter 1. And, and Yosef, Joseph was a just man, a righteous man. He was at Sadi. Luke chapter 1, verse uh, 46. And Miriam said, My soul magnifies... Is that the right one? 146. 46 through 55, yes. Uh, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and, the holy, is his, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. By the way, this word, yare, first word is hand, so strengthen his arm. And he has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. This is the, when you talk about somebody being proud, their head is uplifted, rosh. Resh is the second word here. He has put down the mighty from their thrones. The almighty is aleph, right? So we see actually yare being spelled out in her descriptions here. He has put down the mighty from the thrones, the exalted, the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. From, uh, so from fear here, we see that um, his mercy on, is on those who fear him. If it need be cowering, then yes. His mercy on those who fear him. If you want to think of fear in a bad way, that's okay in this regard. His mercy is on those who fear him. How much should you fear him? Is there any downside <laughs> to fearing him? Even if you have the wrong perspective of fear? I think not. Go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. This is the description of someone who feared him. By the way, Joseph, Yosef, is called a just man, a righteous man, a tzaddik. Same word in, in, in Greek. What? And, and in Hebrew. Why was he? Is it a state you're in? No. It's not a state. It's not a, it's not a condition. He was a just man. He was a righteous man because he did righteous things. He acted righteously. Not because, well, he entered into some state of bliss that awarded him this, the title just. If you think your righteousness is because you've simply been awarded righteousness and then you think that you can act any way you want, you've confused what righteousness is. Righteous state, condition, is marked by righteous deeds. Always. Go to Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion who was called, the, 
who was called the, of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously to people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, what time of the day is that? Three in the afternoon. This is Mincha prayers. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming and saying to him, Cornelius. How far am I supposed to read here? One more verse. And he, he observed him. He was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up before a memorial before God. We're going to look at this in prayer and in giving as well. It's interesting that he gets God's attention through prayer and alms. Now send men to, uh, Yaffa, to Jaffa, that's uh, Yaffa, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He feared God. In fact, he gets the title a God-fearer. In the first century, God-fearers were a unique people, group of people who actually worshipped the God of Israel, but were Gentile. They had not made conversion. They had not become Jews, and I'm putting that in quotes. They were simply Gentiles who feared God and worshipped the God of Israel. How do we know that? How do we know that they feared him? Why did they get the title God-fearer? Or later on, they call him uh, Ger Tzadik, or a righteous sojourner, a righteous foreigner. How did they get that title? You read it right here. He gave alms and he prayed. He was a man that lived, I'm sorry, he lived like a Jew, but he wasn't. So he got the title, a God-fear. He's a God-fear. He fears God. He's known by what he did. Revelation 19.5, and then we're going to have to stop. Did we, are we getting bells anymore? I just don't hear him or <laughs> I didn't hear him before but usually people raise their hands so. okay Revelation 19.5 at the beginning of the book we see fear and at the end of the book we see fear Revelation 19.5 then a voice came from the throne saying praise our God all you his servants and those who fear him both great and small who has a right to be in the to be in the city who has a right to be in the city in Revelation chapter 22? Who has a right to be in the city? Those who do His commandments have a right to the, to the tree of life. Those who keep the testimony in chapter 14, keep the testimony of Messiah, have a right to eat from the tree of life. Those who fear Him have a right to the tree of life. See, if Adam had feared God before, he would have had a right to the tree of life. But because he didn't, he became afraid of God and could not eat from the tree of life. God put him out of the garden. To fear God is not a state, it's something we do. I hope you've seen that. It begins with, yes, it begins with being circumspect. In your mind, gird up the loins of your mind, as, as Peter says in First Peter. Gird up the loins of your mind. Prepare to take action. Once you've prepared to take action, don't let it stay there. Well, that's a nice thought. Here we are from 9.30 to 10.30 on Shabbat. Well, 10.45 on Shabbat. 10.15 on Shabbat. I hope it's not 10.45. Here we are. You hear nice thoughts. Oh, yes, I agree with that. Oh, yes, that's good. But the question becomes, is it just stop there? If it does, then it's not girding up the loins of your mind. You have not prepared. You have not become circumspect. You have not prepared to fear God. You may fear him already. We can always fear him more. To fear God is a loving response of those who've been forgiven much. Do you believe in grace? If you do, you should fear the one who's given you grace. Do you believe in in mercy? Then you should fear the one who gives mercy. Uh, Everyone will fear someone. And this is true. Like I said, if you are afraid like I am in life, 
The answer is, you're going to fear somebody. The question is, who are you going to be afraid of? And if you don't fear God, you're going to be afraid of man. Look at, look at those who look like they have no fear. Their, their lives shout out fear. Everything they do reflects fear. But it's not the fear of God, it's the fear of others. The fear of looking bad in front of my friends. Right? The fear of looking stupid. That's fear. Question. Um, you just read as though they're doing it to me as insurance for the truth of life. In the 1970s, those who enter life would be those who keep his commandments. That's right. So is that why he said, few there be that find the narrow road that leads to eternal life? In, in, in chapter in chapter 7 Matthew yeah I think so yeah well I mean there's a perfect example of, of this idea of action he says some will come and say Lord Lord did we not and they and they name a bunch of stuff that they say that they did remember they're just saying it and what's his answer depart from me I never knew you right you who do iniquity they don't do the will of God in other words they claimed they claimed that they had done God's will and his response was you didn't do it you didn't do God's will you didn't do what you were told to do and he says I never knew you in other words there's no relationship by the way your actions actually do speak of relationship when you act like you relate do you know Messiah then act like he's your he's your master well that's what God did for us that's right it wasn't at all oh I love you it's okay I'll forgive you he had to act on it didn't he he does act on it he's acting on it today Let's close in prayer. Thank you for your discussion. Father, we do thank you for the time that we can spend with you. We thank you that you are gracious and good, that you are compassionate, loving. Father, that you bore that out, that you represented it in all of the things that you've done. Father, in the work of Messiah, we see it so encapsulated. At the pinnacle of your actions, you showed us your love for us. Father, that you took our sins and that you have washed them away. Father, we thank you that you have not left us in a state even a blank state, but have given us good commandments, that have, you have given us a way to live in a way that reflects your glory and your majesty. May we come to fear you in all that we say and do, and every day we may, may we fear you more. We pray in Yeshua's name. Amen.